Outlet Liquor is your place to buy a case. Stock up and save when you shop the lowest prices available every day at Outlet Liquor. You never have to wait for a sale. The more you buy, the more you save. Only at Outlet Liquor. What's your outlet? Folks, November is almost in the books. It is Monday, November 27th, but unfortunately, not a good Buffalo sports weekend in the books. Uh, the Sabres go down to New Jersey. Nobody's gotten you know a beat down that bad from Jersey since Sopranos season six. And unfortunately, the Bills lose. I mean, a heartbreaker would be putting it kindly last night in the 4 p.m. slot to the reigning NFC champion, Philadelphia Eagles. We'll break it all down. We got slick. We got Parthy boy. And we will be talking, of course, the return of CM Punk to WWE. Let's go. Folks, thank you for tuning in to Trainwreck tonight. 319 defeat from the Jaws of Victory. Unfortunately, that is what the Bills found last night. And you can always find the best deals, the best options at Outlet Liquor, George Urban Boulevard in Depew. I mean, it's the holiday season, folks. There's no excuse. Go buy a case and get the best deal on the place to buy a case, Outlet Liquor. And speaking of the best, let's get them in here. We've got our panel. We got Mr. Saturday Slick and, of course, Parthi Poo. Uh, Slick, I want to start with you. Obviously, it was ups and downs yesterday, and we were riding them all at Rec Room. Yeah, the emotions were high. You know, there was a lot on the line, and it really did build to the highest of highs and crumble to the lowest of lows. Uh, but thankfully, we had a great place to watch the game and were served well, treated well, as we always are at Rec Room. But my God, roller coaster of emotions. Seriously, and speaking of roller coaster of emotions, Parthi, nobody kind of takes in the entire network, all of it from Bills Mavi, especially the next day, all the podcasts, all of it from the next day, overreaction Monday, obviously misery Monday for a lot of Bills fans today. What is the take that you're seeing that you respect the most, or maybe what's your takeaway from what you're seeing out there after the overtime loss? 
I guess I would say there's a lot of people who are coming a lot more to the maybe McDermott isn't the guy to get us to the promised land side. No one's calling for his head just yet, but they're understanding people a lot more who are. So I think the the hot seat, and we're going to get to that a little in a little bit, is starting to be turned up just a little bit more. People are starting to see if there, there wasn't already a pattern, it's becoming clear now uh, as far as these close games that just slipped from us at the very end for the Bills. And we know there's many of you out there listening on SoundCloud, on Apple, on Spotify, uh, but we got many live here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter for Chime In. If you have any questions for our panel or any uh, thoughts on the obviously terrible 48 hours that was a Buffalo sports weekend. But I'm going to start with a question, gents. Now that we're a little bit over the emotions of it, now that we're a little bit more away from it, uh, Slick, start us off. Did the Bills lose this game or did the Eagles win or was it somewhere in between? You know, I had a firm answer, actually, when I was going over our lineup here for tonight, and it was that the Eagles won. But now just thinking back to, you know, the whole taking a knee with 20 seconds, I don't think the Bills lost. So I'm I'm pretty in the middle here. I think some de- decisions were made on our end, performances poor on our end, that if we did squeak a win out of that game, it would have been awesome. It would have been great. Um but we did, we ultimately didn't do enough, I think. And the Eagles executed as we know that they would as the best team in football. A lot of people think right now, give or take, we got up, we put up a good fight. It was two big guns going at each other. But um, I think I'm in the middle. I'm leaning more towards the Eagles won this game. We knew it was going to be fireworks. It delivered. And, uh, a third party was involved wearing a zebra costume, but we'll get into that in a minute, I guess. Mute mom. Where are you at the next there, game? I think he's asking me the same question here. Oh, yeah, the Bills unequivocally lost this. There are so many instances, instances that we can point to, individual plays at critical moments, uh, drops, field goal misses, interceptions. Uh, and Sean McDermott's uh, play calling and, well, not play calling, but decision making at critical times, especially at the end of the game, uh, is going to be pointed to and has been pointed to by all so many content creators and media members thus far. Um, yeah, the, the Eagles were held to seven points in the first half, and then they just ran roughshod over the Bills defense in the second. They obviously made the adjustments focusing more on the running game, and the Bills couldn't compensate. And the Bills tried to stay with them as far as scoring points and just letting our offense win the game for them. But at the end of the day, you know, yeah, the the Bills blew this game. There there was execution errors and coaching errors, uh, a plenty, and of course officiating errors, and we'll get into that. But they had every chance to score more than the thirty plus points that they actually did. So as far as I'm concerned, they pretty much blew this. Okay, I think that's a fair take. I, I, I a day after I'm much closer to the Bills blew this game. Then the Eagles won it. I I respect the third and fifteen a lot. Hyde and Poyer are getting a lot of hate for that. We'll we'll talk about that as well. Uh, but I think you know the Eagles made a fair amount of plays, like thirty percent. But I think the Bills blew it seventy percent when you look at all the opportunities I, they had. I think we we made enough mistakes where it's like the the reasoning for me. I guess why I'm giving it is we made so many mistakes across the board. Like it wasn't in just one department. Whether it was play calling, defensive play, dropped catches, they were everywhere. So to me, that that's that's like a team effort at the losing, and the Eagles did it better. They played a better football game than we did. Ultimately, the better team won. So I think I lean towards the Eagles side 
just for that reason. But I think you guys bring great points to the table. And speaking of bringing it to the table, a lot of people are saying that Sean McDermott got out coached last night. A lot of people are questioning what happened with Sean McDermott last night. So plain and simple, they're back to 500. Uh, playoff chances are under 20% at this point. Where is McDermott on a scale of one to fired, Parthy? Just this season, the Bills have reached 0-3 when scoring a go-ahead touchdown with under two minutes left, or go-ahead score of any kind, I believe. So, and how many times have we seen this either in the playoffs or in past regular season games where we go ahead and then we just can't hold the lead at the end? So, it, like I said, it seems to be a pattern for McDermott coach teams. Now, regardless of how bad it gets and how many times this is going to happen over and over again, I don't think, and the refrain has been that, from other people that Terry Pakula is unlikely to move from Sean McDermott, given the past success, the most recent success, given that he just got both him and being an extension this past off season. He doesn't, he does not like to pay for people to not coach his teams, but right now, I think unless, I mean, I'll give him a six right now. It's more than 50%. It's more than half. He's creeping up towards closer to possibly being fired than not being fired. But I would say I would venture to guess if he misses the playoffs next season, regardless of any you know injuries that befell befell the team, short of Allen himself being injured and out for most of the season, God forbid, knock on wood. Um, if he misses the playoffs this season and next season, I would say Terry's going to give him the axe. Uh, we're talking about next season. Yes. Yeah, so, McCarthy. So, McCarthy, so, like, you clearly subscribe to the thinking that no matter what, McDermott is safe this offseason. This offseason, unless unless they lose out and it's in such disastrous way, there there would have to be like a, such a falling out, not just being in games and then blowing up at the end, but I mean like just the uh, a complete collapse at the end for it to even be possible. Okay, so on a scale of one to a one to fire, you got him at like a two, basically. I got him, I got him at a six right now. A six. So, so yeah. you're all over the place, Barthes. It's like, bring some reason. I said six. Okay. Well, he, here's, here's where we got to talk, Barthes, because next season isn't even on the table right now. That we're, this hot seat is very valid and it's very current. And on a scale of one to fired, I'm not sure how many metrics there are on this scale, but right now McDermott, he's not at fired. He's at mutually parting ways. Oh, the no, organization. not a mutual parting of the ways. Yes. Yes, unfortunately, because something needs to be done. A change is clearly needed. We haven't gotten to where we wanted to, where we aspired to in these six seasons. Did we get to the playoffs? Sure. That's one check off the bucket list. The next is a playoff push. McDermott hasn't gone far uh, as we want him to, and nothing's changing. And if we don't even make the playoffs this season, I know he's perfect in his tenure, but I think that's a that's a cause for concern, to say the least. I think a change has to happen. So, I think you brought a good point to the table, Partham, where Tara Pegula respects McDermott a lot and wouldn't maybe necessarily have the balls to fire him. But I'm at the Terry sits Sean down in the off season and they have a talk and they're at a mutually parting ways phase right now and if we lose two games two more games badly fired i'm there okay. I'm, all right. I'm all the way up there maniac well hey at the end of yesterday you can't blame josh allen even though they're you know your sure field running the wrong routes we got gabe davis running the wrong uh way in overtime according to you know the reactions of the play uh but it was a defensive debacle uh the second half you allowed 30 points 
essentially. That was the issue there. Uh, you saw Von Miller, uh, you know, I hate to say it, Con Miller at this mm-hmm. point. Like, what are we doing back from the injury? You're clearly, like, not good to go. What side is not understanding the situation? Is Von Miller telling him he's 100% when clearly he's not? I mean, because it seems like the team's ignoring this. What's a bigger concern for you guys after this game? Von Miller and his continued lack of production? Or, you know, for the first time, we're kind of seeing chinks in the uh, uh, a Poyer hide armor, you know, that has kind of been unbeatable for their tenure in Buffalo. Uh, you know, what's more concerning for you after this, after that performance? I'll go first. I think uh, for me, it's Poyer and Hyde. Just because of we've had them for so long and the consistently consistency level has always been there. You know, they've always stepped up when we needed them to. They've always been locker room leaders when we've needed them to. And Vaughn, we, we know he's coming back from a gruesome injury that athletes tend to have a very hard time recovering from. Uh, is he playing poorly? Sure. Con Miller, as you called him. That's a great one. But I, I got to go with Poyer and Hyde, specifically me, because... Their play has been irking me this whole season. It just hasn't been what it once was. And I think people are really starting to realize this game more than ever. Um, I'm really concerned about that backfield. Well, I think we should remember that even at their best, uh, Poyer and Hyde in that secondary can give up some pretty incredible catches. You know, the Hale Murrays. And it seems like every time we have a game of the year, there's some ridiculous catch. Not necessarily always Poyer and Hyde involved, but... Uh, yeah, everybody has been observing that they've been losing a step this year. But their Poyer especially was back on a much cheaper contract than he expected to get on the free agent market. So as <laughs> Slick takes a chug there. Uh, sure. I would say that it the better the worst concern is Con Miller, as we call him, because that that's not a contract that is easy for the Bills to get out of. Um it what we saw out of Trey White last year was he came back, he was on a pitch count, and he wasn't quite himself. He wasn't quite his full capacity until the start of this year, at least by most accounts. So we may not see the best of Von Miller until a full another offseason and then going into next season, which is pretty incredible given what, what we expect out of him and what we're paying him. Um, I mean, I've heard John Fee and I've commented on this before on over on Buffalo Rummings. He says that he thinks Von Miller, at least from his perspective, is getting closer and closer to being an impact player, that he needs to trust his body more, that he needs to do that in-game. It's not something you can achieve in practice. But what I was seeing and what a lot of people seemingly were agreeing with me and other people were saying it, uh, Von seemed to not really maintain his pursuit of uh, Jalen Hurts out there when he was scrambling around and, you know, going to the sidelines. Uh, it wasn't Albert Hainsworth level of giving up, you know, laying on the turf and just, you know, taking a nap, but it was still re- really noticeable if you were looking at Vaughn. Um, I'm not sure. Are, are we just victims of his typical over-promising? Are we just impatient because he, he uh, promised he was going to be ready week one and we should have been uh, more realistic in our uh, expectations given what we saw from Trey White last year? Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling like I got conned, Parthy. I'm feeling like I got conned by by Con Miller. And let me tell you, every guarantee this guy has had, anything that Von Miller, Con Miller, has said is going to happen in Buffalo, it doesn't happen. He came here, he promised like everything was going to be different. He acted like a finisher for half a season. He got injured. Now it's every promise has been broken since. He promised OBJ. He well, he didn't. He pretty much guaranteed that OBJ. He, and he alluded he to. Uh, oh my god! He was saying OBJ was just a, it was if not when not or right. you know yeah. 
Yeah, but it's hard to promise things like a Super Bowl. Oh, not if. Did okay. he ever yeah, promise a is, Super Bowl? It is hard to promise it. No, I yeah. mean, he kind of did that promo. That's the one thing where, he didn't know, promise, at least. All right. Let's move on. We're going to kind of wrap up the Bills talk from yesterday, and let's get someone in here who's, who's more than uh, happy to do that. Ernie Green, how are you doing today, sir? Misery I'm Monday. Well, thanks. I, I'm, I'm, I'm well, thank you. And Slick, I, I, I didn't know it was where you see a punk shirt to the show. Hey. You know Ooh, we had boys are matching. You know we had no, no, no. This is the OG shirt from 2011. Like it's not even. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, you know, same style. I know, not the exact same shirt, but uh. So we're gonna get started on a segment that we love here on Drainer Sports when a team loses or something bad happens. It's time for some blame pie. Uh, but first, I Ernie, I wanted to, I want to ask you how, how on a scale of one to fired, where is Sean McDermott right now? Um, well, I mean, I think anybody who's ever followed me on social media will know where I felt about that since 2019. Um, the guy, Sean McDermott, I'll, I'll give him credit where credit is due. I think that there are very few coaches Monday to Saturday who don't do a better job than Sean McDermott. Unfortunately, they keep score on Sunday. And when he, his decision-making is insanity every single week. Uh, I just read this stat like before I came on here that Josh Allen has has um, led a team to a game tying or go ahead score of the 17th time in his career yesterday, and actually 18. The Bills have lost nine of those games. They are under 500 when Josh Allen does that within the last two minutes of a game. That is unacceptable. Even if they were like okay, they should be at 60, 70 percent. Like this year, he's got and Allen hasn't. I mean, Allen has made his share of mistakes. Okay. But Allen has gotten them with the lead four times, five times, and they've only closed one of them. Even if they were just, like, bad and not historically bad, they should be eight and four now. Like, he he comes off the field with the lead. You have to step up, and you have to step up and win that game. So, um, it's just enough's enough. You have to play to win. You can't play to not lose. You paid Josh Allen $250 million to make the play that nobody else can make with 20 seconds and one timeout. He did it last year in Detroit, and honestly, people are going to say, oh, that was indoors. Well, where are you most likely going to slip as a defender, indoors or outdoors in a rainstorm? Offensive players know where they're going. Defensive players do not. The NFL loves calling pass interference on ticky-tack calls. You know, more than t- Teddy Long likes calling for a tag team match. All right? Or one-on-one so with the oh, No, someone has to go one-on-one with Dunn to take a player. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Eight t- you know, so he would have called 11 on 11 tag team match yesterday to settle that in overtime, Teddy Long, but I digress. <laughs> so you have to start, you have to stop worrying about what can go wrong when so many more things can go right. And okay, say you have 20 seconds left in one timeout. The first play, you throw incomplete, you throw five or six yards. Okay, you tried. Then the kneel down's okay, but to not even try to get in field goal range, that's unacceptable. That's the, you have an ultimate weapon, Josh Allen, who he's for every, like he threw 51 passes yesterday, one interception. That's not a bad interception. That's what's the lowest passer, interse- you know, he's an interception a game, but that's the you know, 2% interception rate is a very good interception rate, okay? You have to keep that in perspective. 100%. Josh Allen, and yesterday Josh Allen was on a heater, okay? He was on fire. One of the best games he's ever played, even with the interception. People are going to make mistakes. You have to take the good with the bad with Allen. More good things are going to happen if you let Allen be Allen than not. And this Sean McDermott just refuses to let Sean McDermott, uh, let Josh Allen be Josh Allen. It's kind of, like he talks about complementary football. Is it like this ingenious idea that 
if you play better offense and defense than the other team, you're more likely going to win. I mean, is that something he just thought of in the year of our Lord, 2023? I'm just sick of hearing it. You have an all-time, you have an all-time weapon. Let Josh Allen be Josh Allen. Like the guy, when he's up-tempo, when you spread the field out, when you let him make decisions and not micromanage him, may very well be the best quarterback in the game and maybe the best in Bill's history. And that includes the Hall of Famer that, that, is in, that walked through the organization for 10 years, okay? It is just maddening. Let you, all he has to do is stay out of Josh Allen's way. And he can't okay, handle that. Ta- I mean, I'm, I'm done. Ta- tell me how you really feel, Mr. Voice of Reason over I Listen, I, I just to be clear, that was the timeline today. A lot of what you were saying. So, I, I mean, I agree. I, it's all accurate. I'm very, very, very sure. Uh, with that said, let's break it down. Let's get to the blame mm-hmm. pie. Up to 100%. Ernie, why don't you start us off? Who do you hold accountable percentage-wise for yesterday's loss then? Well, I'll tell you what, McDermott has a lot. I would say McDermott about 50%, but I'll tell you what. Did Sean McDermott re-sign Jordan Poyer? Jordan Poyer's a t- I mean, Jordan Poyer's been okay in the run, but you don't sign a safety to be good in the run. Jordan Poyer and, 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 Car- and Micah Hyde, almost a Carlos Hyde, Micah Hyde have been absolute tire fires in the back of the secondary this year, okay? The corner, when, when's, the last time, when's the last time you've seen a cornerback make a bad play for the Bills? They're banged up. I mean, Rasul Douglas has been excellent. Dane Jackson has been great. Bernard has been great. Cam Lewis, when he stepped in, been fine. Taron Johnson's a wet. I mean, Taron Johnson in his role might be the best at what he does in the entire league in terms of like the nickel corner spot where he can play the run and pass. I mean, other offensive coaches said, hey, Taron Johnson is the guy we worry about on their defense. And that was when they had Milano there and they had, you know, Trey White there. And that's for good reason for that. The safeties are ridiculous. Like someone pointed this out on, on Twitter yesterday. Like the first thing you learn the first day of football practice, don't let anybody get behind you. And you had, and, and it wasn't like an 80 yard pass. You you also had the back of the end zone as a, a, a second defender, and they still let that happen. It's it's, it's indefensible. How about the touchdown? Uh, okay, okay. Who you got? Who you got for? Who you got for your other? Who you got for your other fifty percent? So I have I fifty percent fifty percent McDermott. I give about twenty percent blame to Bean for the roster he's constructed. He's just fallen in love with his players too much. Similar to Darcy Regeer, um, about twenty percent to the secondary. Josh Allen, 5%, as great, as great as he played, you can't make that throw. I think I got to 100. My bad, guys. Sorry. No, you're good. That's 95. And I'm going to put 5% <laughs> in for the refs for you. I mean, come on. Well, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, Parthi, what are you at? What, what are you cooking up with your pie? Man, already dropping CM Punk pipe bombs out here. Just going. Yeah, I'm going, not going to lie. There's a lot of truth. It's like I want to stop it, you know, but in it's fairness, true. I came to talk wrestling. You guys asked. True. Right, right, right. Very true. Very true. All right, all right. So I'll give 30% to McDermott. I'm going to dole out some 15 to 20 to 10 percents to individuals who made pretty critical critical mistakes at certain points of the game. I'll give 50 percent to Cook for that drop that could have been a touchdown. I'll give 50 percent to Gabe for that running the wrong way at the, in overtime that should have been a touchdown. How big is this pie? Uh, I'll give 20% to Bass for his misses slash blocks. I don't know how much you put on Bass for the block. Maybe you could have kicked it at a, at a higher angle. It wasn't that long of a field goal, I don't think. I'll give 10% to Allen for that interception because it directly led to an Eagles touchdown in a short field. And I'll give 10% to the referees. That is the worst officiating I have seen in a game since the chairman of the T.C. Williams High School Board tried to get Coach Boone fired. Okay. Wow. I don't know how much money oh these guys have in the games. That, what? Uh, Ed Parthi, sorry, Parthi. You just lost yourself the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Not Coach all right, Boone. all right, Slick. All right, Slick. Cook it up. Cook it up. Oh, part of them. That might have been the biggest pie. That might have been bigger than the pie I had on Thanksgiving. By the way, that we're we're call, we're talking like five hundred percent that pie. But I boys, I had to get the pencil out for this one. I've been doing some math. I've been doing some calculations. 
I'm going to go 5% officials, okay. 10% defense, okay. 10% cook. Okay. What are we at, 25? James Cook caught a stray here somehow. Oh, the, the um, drop, the drop. I mean, that's seven points that yeah. we okay. could have used. Okay, 25%. 10% on Bass. Okay. And the rest on McDermott. Okay, 65 then for McDermott. Okay, that's pretty big. I'm going to go 56% for McDermott. Uh, at the end of the day, he bungled it. I'm a McDermott guy. He bungled yesterday's game. There's no doubt. He's bungled a lot of games recently, so he's rightfully on the hot seat. Uh, with that said, I'm going to go 23% to the second half defense uh, to get us to 79% there. I'm going to go 8% on Bass because I think we were really kicking through a monsoon. I think you just got to credit Jake Elliott on the 59-yard make, unfortunately. Uh, and then I believe I have around 11% or the remaining for the officials. I'm sorry. I know we got the penalty in overtime on the rough in the passer, but they were lopsided uh, the rest of the way. And I mean, you're talking, we'll go. I mean, I think it's still debatable if the AJ Brown ball could be called a fumble. Uh, I still think Alameda Zacchaeus's helmet and shoulder may have come down out of bounds before his second foot came down. I don't even know if that got looked at, uh, but I haven't had time to look at that. But anyways, that's my pie. Uh, before we bring in Dwayne Omania and Rob <laughs> Ryan to talk, CM Punk and some Sabres real quick to wrap up to TT 319 odds. The bills finish four and one or better, which is what they'll need for the playoffs. I'm going to set this at 50 50. I think it's a pick them. Um, four and one with the remaining or better. Yeah. Chiefs with the re- chiefs. What? Cowboys, Cowboys, chargers, Patriots, dolphins to chiefs, Cowboys, Patriots, go- or chargers, Patriots, dolphins. I'm going plus 200. Okay. Two to one. Huh. I'd say it's a good bet that the Bills will finish with uh, three three wins in their last three games and then split the Cowboys and Chiefs. And I'll give it a negative 150. Ooh. Ernie, you got faith? Believe it or not, Maniac agree on something with the Bills. Um, I think it's a straight 50-50. I don't sweat Mike McCarthy, especially at, at on the road. They haven't yeah. beat anybody. Um, San, I'm sorry, it's not San Diego. LA is a tire fire. They'll they'll blow the game somehow. Brandon Staley, for as bad as McDermott, uh, Brandon Staley's like McDermott times twenty. I was gonna and say, as bad as you don't like McDermott, Staley and McCarthy might be two matchups we have an advantage there. A, a distinct, I, an undisputed advantage. Um, the Patriots. I mean, you can't beat the Patriots at home. They should have beat them on their own. And Miami might have nothing to play for. So, I mean, it honestly just comes down to the Chiefs game. And, I, and, I, and the Chiefs aren't unbeatable either. I think that, I think if the Bills played as good yesterday, even with all the mistakes, if the Bills play as well yesterday, as they did yesterday and just cut out half the mistakes, I think they beat Kansas City handily no matter where they play that game. Okay. All right. Well, Our local handle. cartoon guys in the newspapers are showing us shooting ourselves in the foot. The Chargers are the masters of that. They're going to school us on how to blow games, you know, in creative ways. Oh my God. Yeah, I, I, would so. love a, all, I would love a master class. You're all saying that. And then just, I'm just saying, we'll, we'll see. Well, we'll that'll see. be December 23rd. Uh, might be a, a late day, uh, you know, a day after a couple days. After get me to Los Angeles. Get you to Los Angeles and let's get him in here. First off, let's get him in here. You know him. You love him. Two goalies, one mic, your wifey's favorite phone call. Dwayne, Omania. How are we doing, sir? How are you feeling today? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Having some old age problems, but getting through it. Okay. We are for sure. Let me uh, ask you, what are the odds of the bills finish four and one or better chiefs, <laughs> Cowboys, chargers, Patriots. Dolphins, is McDermott, Cowboys, is McDermott still the coach? <laughs> the uh, um, yeah. 
I think I think that too. I think I think that their biggest issue outside of the obvious is they don't coach they don't play he doesn't coach to win. He coaches to not lose. Um and I'm getting sick and tired of watching it. Um I mean the penalties and the officiating was a big part of yesterday. I think everybody can agree on that. But at the end of the day, you had a lot of opportunities to win and because of mismanagement from the sidelines and just lack of communication on the field that we're looking at a game that they should have won, gave up 30 points in the second half, um, you know, head scratching decision. So I don't know. I, I, I could, I could see them going four and one for sure. Um, if they play, if they play like they did yesterday and like, I believe it's like you said, while I was in the backstage, they cut out half the mistakes. They could absolutely go five and oh, um, but that okay, all so really lies the at that. the feet of Sean McDermott. And if he decides to, you know, I, I don't know, man. I just, I don't have much faith in this regime. Okay. So long odds to go four and one or better. Yeah. I'd say plus, I don't know, 1000. Oh, know. wow. 10 to one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Dwayne is counting them up. I, I don't mind it. I, I like that you're one way or the other. Plus 1,000. All right. Wait. I, 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 was, I was between plus plus like 500 and plus 1,000, but the more I, I kind of talked myself out of plus 500. That is that is a big jump, though. That is a big jump. Yeah. But I like it. I like it. But speaking of big jumps, listen, we haven't seen exactly a big jump from the Sabres. Uh, I was there Friday night when even though they were able to get a win, uh, it was not a very inspiring first 40 minutes. Where I, I know you obviously do your I'll hang up and listens over at two goalies one mic, uh, you know, a staple for any Sabres fan. But where are you at right now headed in this matchup? New York Rangers We're halfway to getting Tage back almost. Uh, is, is there maybe a light here coming into uh, the end of the year? I mean, I'm not counting them out or anything like that. I just think that um, I was optimistic after the offseason. I kind of liked at first at, you know, um, at first, I kind of liked the Clifton signing because he brings a physical presence, one that didn't really exist on our blue line. Um, he's had his moments, but for the most part, he's been pretty inconsistent. Same thing can be said about Eric Johnson. But when it comes to Eric Johnson, I mean, I, he is what he is. He's thirty in his late 30s. It's probably his last year in the NHL. Like, how can you sit there and honestly expect more than honestly what you're getting out of Eric Johnson? Like, you know, he's a third-pairing guy at best, and that's what he was going to be. He was never going to be a a top four guy. He was never going to be the guy who was going to log you 18 to 23 minutes a night. He's old. You know, it's like, uh, it's like, it's like that scene in big daddy where, you know, he confronts the old guy uh, with, with his girlfriend. He's old. He's so old. Like I just, same thing with, I don't know. I, I, I was optimistic, but I think the whole, the, the, the issues that they failed to address in the off season are really kicking him in the ass right now, uh, especially on the blue line. It's very, I, I agree. It really is some of the things they didn't do in the offseason. I think the most surprising has just been Levi. I know a lot of people had faith in him. I know it was asking a lot of a young goaltender. Um, but yeah, I, I'm hoping to see that, him bounce back. Uh, that's you the know, biggest you, surprise to you. Are you are you a Levi to Rochester guy? Um, here's the thing. Like, I am a believer in playing in the AHL can help any goalie's development. Help Miller. Help any goalie. I mean, Dustin Wolf in Calgary helped him. So, like, would I be mad if they sent him uh, uh, to, to the AHL? No, I wouldn't. But if they did keep him up, which I think they will, because uh, in his entire draft class, he was the only non-first-round drafted player 
that received max deal on every part of his entry-level contract. No other player did except for him. So with that being said, I have a feeling that was probably worked into some maybe spoken agreement that he probably wouldn't see a minute of the AHL unless obviously for like some type of rehab stint maybe. Uh, I, we had him on our show and I've, I've, I've gotten to know him and his family over the last like six to eight months. And I can tell you this, like in terms of mentally, like mentally, will this exhaust him? Will this affect him? I really don't think it will. I think he has a ton of confidence in himself. Um, so in terms of will this hurt him mentally? No, I really don't think it will in the long run. I just, he's just a very mentally capable, uh, you know, young man, he's probably, you know, uh, more wise beyond his years, if that's the correct saying. Um, but in terms of like, obviously just getting up to speed physically. Yeah. I'm sure the AHL could help him, but am I an AHL guy? Have to send to the AHL? No, because I think that goaltending hasn't been the issue for me this year. I think it's all really about team defense and their blue line. And, um, and that goes for all three goaltenders, not just Devin Levi. Um, you know, they haven't played well enough in front of any of these three goaltenders on a consistent basis. And I think that last game, uh, you know, against the devils, that's that first period is all, all the proof you needed. Like the defense blows. I mean, Dwayne, yeah, it's that, terrible. Dude. That it's, like, it's terrible. You, Dwayne, that video you posted blew my fucking mind. Which like, one? Cause I posted a lot. Uh, you were filming the TV and, uh, I forget who was on D, but they're just watching three devils. Get right. It was yeah, they were literally man. in an eye formation in front of the net. They had a devil on each side of them, and they're all staring at the blue line. Like, what the fuck are you two doing? Like, 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 put put a body on somebody. And it's I almost, know people. It's like, almost like they're sitting there asking, like Levi, like, "Yo, you good, bro? You need any help? Just let us know if you need anything." That like, was yeah, like, Howard, I believe. That was that was the it doesn't matter. It question. really doesn't matter who's in that because they play don't play really any differently in front of everybody. Because we've seen good games out of all three of these goaltenders, including Levi. Levi played fantastic against the against the Wild. He played great against the the, the, the Lightning. I thought he played very well against against Toronto. I mean, what the fuck are you gonna do? It's it's Austin Matthews. You leave him alone in front of the net. He's gonna beat every goaltender there is in the world. Like, it doesn't matter who you, who's in that. Um, but like just the lack of awareness, like. I thought we were done with this after Ristolainen left the team. But, like, just – and my gripe about Owen Power is – and trust me, it's not that I don't think he's good. I think he's going to be elite. My gripe about, about him right now is the fact that he just shows a lack of awareness below the dots in the defensive zone, and he doesn't play like he's six foot six. And people mistake him when people say, like, oh, you need to be more physical, you need to play to his size – that's, I'm not saying he's got to go out there and lay the body on everybody, but when you're that big, like you can pretty much force your will on anybody. You can like, agreed. You, you can literally push somebody out of the way in front of the net. Like that first goal against Boston, uh, first goal against when we played Boston, I forget who was at the goal in front. We got you. We got you. Listen, but we know we, it, we, just, we get you. We get you. Gotta, you gotta be able to force your will on guys and you don't agreed. have to. You, you don't have to be yeah. violent, play a violent style. Don't have to go out there and be Chris Pronger. You don't have to go out there and be Scott Stevens. Just force your will. You're six foot six. Everybody's pretty much everybody out there when you're out there is smaller than you by a lot. So go out there and force your will on people. And he doesn't do that amongst other players too. It's not just he, speaking of forcing your will. If you don't get your way, we have a guy making his historic return after so many days 
Rob Ryan is back on Trainwreck tonight. <laughs> All right, so you would literally have to be hiding under a rock to not know what's going on. CM Punk back in WWE Survivor Series. We saw the return of R-Truth. Saw the return of Randy Orton. Saw the return of CM Punk. So I want to start with you, Ernie, because I know you came and fired up to uh, talk about that. This is your guy. As far as I view it, this is your man. And this is a bit, this is a big reputation run for him. I'm just going to say, because he is back in WWE, something that many people don't think I was something I doubted that could even happen as recently as weeks ago. But this is a big, like, listen, everyone knows his wrestling style. Everyone knows his ability as a performer. I feel like this is a big, like, this is almost like when Shawn Michaels came back to WWE after his break, in my opinion. Uh, so I'm curious how you feel and what you think that, you know, Phil Brooks, CM Bung has to prove as a performer in WWE with this run. Um, well, I don't, I'm not sure how he's my guy other than I bought a shirt at a wrestling show 11 years ago and I still have it. You love, now, I'm like sorry, my, you, uh, you love and defend CM Punk in the AEW fallout. You do go to battle well, for I, him. I, 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 my, my, my big thing with CM Punk is that um, I'm right there with you. You have, dog. A longer, you have a longer leash with people who are indisputable draws. Like there are very few people who could have came out of surprise Chicago or not on Thursday and, would, and on Saturday, I'm sorry, and would have gotten that pop. CM Punk is a draw, whether he's, even when he's the biggest piece of crap behind closed doors, behind the scenes in the locker room, he is indisputable. He's a draw and there's nothing, you know, so people like Shawn Michaels, Vince McMahon has said a million times over, like I never, I've never let anybody talk to me the way Shawn Michaels has back when he was, you know, when he was hopped up on Soma and Vicodin 30 a day. But the bottom line is Shawn Michaels is also the best performer in the world and one of the most over talents in the world. So you get, a, you get a longer leash. And I mean, the two biggest youth, the big, the two biggest YouTube videos in the past three years have been Punk's debut in AEW and Punk's debut in WWE. That's not my, I mean, I can see how he gets grading and tiresome on everybody, whether I, you know, whether I think a brawl was his fault or not his fault, you know, sometimes, you know, you can let things slide. Like if you can, someone can wrong you and you can just let it go and, and not fight them. I mean, that's like, you know what I'm saying? Like if someone says something, you can just say, Hey, you know what? You're an idiot. I'm, I'm not even going like, to embrace you. So what he has to prove here is that he's like a, a professional because one, he, that, 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 you never hear those, none of those things that happen in AEW happen in WWE. And if they do, we never hear about them. So, and if they start happening, it's a pretty easy, it's a pretty easy target as to who the common denominator is. You know what I'm saying? So CM Punk, when he's on and when he's like, you know, when he's feeling good can create magic. There are so many different feuds that he could have in WWE. Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes, Roman, so many stories he can finish. Randy Orton would be a great feud. So many callbacks. You can have a new feud with someone like Gunther. You can feud with The Miz. He can feud with LA Knight. There'd be so many things. Cena can come back for a match. So many great things he can do. But CM Punk, you know, it, it reminds me of the quote from Cocktail. I'm probably the only person old enough to see that movie. But um, the bartender says, all things end badly, otherwise they wouldn't end. And I can't help but think that that's just going to happen with CM Punk here because the track record and, and you know, 2014, he was probably in the right because everything he said about Vince McMahon, we applauded because it was true. And we can't, and I don't think anybody here is a Vince McMahon fan. So, but again, it still ended badly. AEW ended badly. I just, his track record, like, I don't see how this, unfortunately, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't see how this doesn't end badly like everything else in his wrestling career has. Wow. Dwayne, thoughts? I mean, because you're, like, you you're a CM Punk guy. You're a, you're a guy as well. Yeah, listen, I, I, I thought there were a lot, a lot of questions that still should have been answered about how things went down in AEW and more transparency outside of, I mean, because we've still to this day have never gotten Punk's side of the story. 
You know what I mean? And then um, when asked about when when asked about uh, his thoughts on CM Punk returns on some podcast in the last 24 hours, Tony Khan even said, "I can't talk about it uh, legally or whatever for whatever reason." I, I just I think that um, Punk has a different type of personality. He's very polarizing. Um, he's gonna rub you the wrong way, and how you choose to handle it is the way you choose to handle it. Does he need to be more mature this time around? Absolutely, he needs to be more mature. Um, I think a big step in that direction was April 25th when he showed up at Raw to bury the hatchet with some people. Uh, that, was, that caught us all by surprise. <laughs> I don't think anybody expected to see CM Punk show up backstage at a Raw taping or uh, a, a live event at Raw and expect him to have full-blown conversations with guys like The Miz or Triple H, but he did. I, I have no problem being wrong all the time. I still think that was an antagonistic move towards AEW at that juncture. Yeah, that, I that think that was more as a fuck you to AEW and the entire roster that he could go do whatever he wants. He could go backstage at WWE. No other member of the AEW roster could go backstage at WWE and just have it be fine like that. I'm sorry. I know that you know they talk about the relationships and everyone acts like they're hunky-dory when they, when they do the random podcast off so-and-so, but you really believe that April 25th, was all just, you know, oh, I'm Phil Brooks and I'm going to, you mend fences for my longer, I think not, and not already, a little bit of a shiv in AEW's side. Let me talk. I think he already had it in his mind. His decision was made up at some point, maybe that when his contract was up, he was probably on his way out the door for AEW. Cause I mean, regardless if they gave him his own show in collision, I think that what he said on that, 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 that dust up uh, at the end of what, what was it? End of, end of all in all out. All out, sorry. Um, I think that right then and there, for me, him, it was like, I mean, that wasn't like a work or anything having to do with the show. That was him taking direct shots at people that ran the company. Um, and it was, we made no mistake about it. Like, I think right there, the seeds were planted. And I genuinely think on April 25th, he probably already has mine made up. That's just my opinion. <laughs> Okay, no, that's that's fair. Rob, come on, I yeah. want to hear you because we we got you to become an AEW guy just for the end of CM Punk's run. So as far as you're going, this is your our guy going to WWE. Yeah, first off, I just I still don't think that was anything. Remember, Vince was still around on April 25th. He was CM Punk is not in WWE today. If Vince McMahon is still running the show, interesting. I mean, and I, you know, we all know he had the he had his promos about the idiot daughter and the doofus son-in-law taking over, which obviously that happened, but that was a whole bunch of nothing. Also, I'm, I, there is still question marks, obviously with how he handled AEW, but I just think it's who runs the show at both companies. Tony Khan for how good he is. He's too much of a friend to every wrestler on that, uh, in that company, triple H and Nick Khan, they're going to act like a boss. Like if something's going to happen, it's, it's going to be shut down immediately. Like someone was saying, I've got who, you don't hear about anything in WWE, like problems backstage that last and last and last. You know, the EVPs over there, we've seen them all. Cody makes fun of being an EVP. We, we see um, the Jacks, uh, we see the young, uh, young Bucks fucking throwing tantrums, whatever. Co Kenny Omega is the only actual EVP there that's like an adult still. Um, I'm going to love it here. I'm, I'm really more interested in see how he backtracks all his words over the last nine years. He has taken every shot at WD he can. It does he mean it all? Is it all part of an act? Who knows? I'm excited to see his promo tonight. Seriously, we all know at some point CM Punk's gonna have to suck that Saudi blood soaked dick. It uh, was it was on record once too that uh 
when Punk came back after cutting a promo, after absolutely shredding Vince and his family, and he and he had a face to face with Vince, and he, and he like Punk was apparently a little awkward about it. He goes, "You, th- you think I care, dude? This is all I care about. You just made me a lot of this." Yeah, no, day, I, I like, think I think that was with Vince's blessing that that promo was like yeah, well, yeah I mean, a la the Paul Heyman on SmackDown. Ernie, do you agree? Well, first off, the I mean. The CM Punk pipe bomb is like a 2.5 compared to the 10 that Paul Heyman. If you have, if you've never seen the Paul Heyman pipe bomb, yeah, it's the OG like Vince McMahon, which I know everybody in here is not a Vince McMahon fan. I will post that somewhere. That is the OG pipe bomb. But yeah, when Taz choked him out, right? Yes, exactly. That yep. was a great. That is a pipe bomb that of all pipe bombs. But yes, to to answer your question, is a very similar type of situation because according to the Punk documentary, they told him to take the mic and hear your grievances tonight. So yes. Yeah. yeah, no, hundred percent. No, so that's cool. I mean, and that made great TV. So I give credit to everyone in that situation uh, for sure. But Hey, listen, I know. We're, oh, and by the way, I want to ask something because Rob Ryan was dealing some meat before. We'll get to you in a second though, Barthy. Does anybody uh, disagree that CM Punk would be in a Vince McMahon WWE? Okay. I'm just making sure we're all on the same. Okay. I just want to say like, would there, if Vince McMahon was still a prominent backstage presence and involved, would, would CM Punk be back with WWE? I'm saying, does anyone? Okay, gotcha. Okay, Parthi, what would you have to chime in? I'm sorry. Does he have everybody's attention now? I mean, <laughs> here we are. We all kind of crap on for like, the occasional things that he does backstage at AEW. But here we are talking about him. So whose fault is it for us giving him attention? Because he, he earns it every step of the way. Every time he gets on a mic, he speaks truth or he speaks what he th- – believes his his perception of truth every time he's gotten on a mic in wwe before he said everything that we ever wanted to say or maybe even some of the wrestlers backstage wanted to say and were we complaining back then no but guess what wasn't happening back then he wasn't getting into fist fights because he knew it was a professional atmosphere i was saying this before we went on the air when he talked about it on the podcast all those years ago when ryback was you know uh, botching and injuring people or at least hurting people. And he was saying, okay, let's just go out there and try and have a match again. And he botched the the table segment and they go right backstage and Punk gets in his face like, did you intend to do that or were you just an effing idiot? And right back, I'm an effing idiot. According to Punk, that's, that's, that's what he said. But Punk had every, had every reason to punch him out right then or just get into a fist fight. And he didn't because he knew that he was in a professional atmosphere. And when someone's not being professional, they're dealt with or they're just, you know, they're knocked down the totem pole a little bit. But at the end of the day, Punk knows he's with professionals now. He knows he's not going to be – we were talking about Tony Khan. Tony Khan is the guy – he sat back and he watched all these things getting said in promos or rumors getting put in the dirt sheets about who Punk – You know, did he want Coke Cabana gone or not? And he and Tony Khan both denied it. And yet still the uh, the Bucks and – supposedly reportedly persistent in the, the belief that punk did want Cole Cabana gone, but Tony Khan didn't try and squash it. He denied it, but he never tried to squash it. He never got ahead of this stuff. He's only as much as I like Tony Khan as a person more than I like Vince McMahon as a person. Tony Khan is more reactive than proactive. He does not see problems until they're right in his face and he has to deal with them. Then I think WWE is a lot more reactive. They, they see like Charlotte and Becky not getting along, so they separate them on both brands, kind of like you know what they did with Bucks and Punk. But they don't allow things to fester for so long that they turn into you know all out or all in brawls. So I don't think I don't think Punk would be back with WWE if Vince McMahon was still there in a creative control role. 
But I think that now that he's back in WWE without having to deal with Vince McMahon and all of his last-minute changes, three-minute women's matches, uh, 24-7 title shenanigans, and repeat upon repeat rematches week after week, now that he doesn't have to deal with all that, now that he hasn't doesn't have to deal with the hypocrisy of uh, oh, Randy, oh, Triple H got to walk out with a fighter with the, to the ring, but I didn't. Uh, Randy got to be in the movie, but I didn't. And all these concussion protocols that he had to go through back in the day, and you know the Z packs that he took that made him throw up, but they didn't weren't diagnosing the real problem. As long as all the as long as it's a different company, Triple H said, if you're not if you're the same person you were ten years ago that you are today, then you messed up. Triple H says he believes he's a different person. Triple H says he's a different person, and he says it's a different company. The bottom line is, as long as this is different, it's a different company. If it's more health conscious and more focused creatively, company, then Punk should be all right, and Punk should behave himself. I don't make good points in a, in a topic where everyone can say so much. I will try to keep it short. The only thing for certain in this situation is it is definitely a different company. Ernie said this one best. Punk needs to prove that he can be a professional and not tear a locker room down from the inside out. Uh, I'm definitely most excited for the promo tonight. Just like Rob said, I'm very excited to see how he's going to backtrack on all his previous statements or if he addresses them at all. And I do just have to say this. If you're not a fan of AEW dropping WWE references and promos on your show, buckle up because you are not going to want to watch <laughs> Raw or SmackDown for Dude, the next like, three months. You're going to get Crimea you know, River. You're going to get Jungle Jack. You're going to have everything in the slick. fucking book. I hope he walks out tonight with that same bag. Even if it's not in that same bag he was carrying the the real oh, I mean, I'm losing it. I mean, can you imagine if he came out with the old spinner belt? For oh, that's amazing. Uh, but also, I think, I think will not, he will say that he meant day, everything he said at the time, but now it's a different environment, and he's learned his lesson that sometimes the grass is greener on the other side, as he alluded to back in his AEW promo. So we're doing recency bias, right? We're, we're, since, since he just had his moment, we're all giving him the benefit of the doubt. But at the end of the day, you guys know, like, he is a fucking hypocrite, right? He He told these dudes to come to his locker room and see him. What did they do? They went and saw him. Shit did not go as planned or however anyone wanted it to go. I mean, he speaks the truth, and maybe sometimes it's for better or worse. But yeah. would, you, is, would you guys all – Is a hypocrite, and would he screw you over in a second? Sure he would. Slick, would you agree? First off, we're all hypocrites for money. Um, I'll, let's be honest with you. <laughs> let's, let's, yeah, we're all hypocrites for money. He reminds me of what Bob Arum once said in the press conference, the boxing promoter. He goes – Bob Aaron once said in the press conference, he goes, yesterday I was lying, today I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> yeah, that's and, 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 that's, and that, that, that's that's wrestling. It's, it's a carny industry. That's, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not exclusive to CM Punk. And CM Punk hey, is I far agree. from the, guy with the biggest amount of heat who's ever come back to WWE. When you yeah. guys talk about comparing both companies, would you agree that the things that led to the Punk incidents probably would have never happened, to your point, professional environment? Yeah, the, never. The scrum never. up of Cole Cabana. So. It would have never happened. But, but it's kind of, but it, but it, but Dwayne, it's kind of fucked up because like Tony Khan was giving him that leash as a professional. Like you, you like I'm sure Tony Khan didn't expect at the press conference. So the first thing that Tony Khan, or CM Punk's would go up was that basically all of the EVPs were immature assholes. 
And that and the, and that the boss well, couldn't control them. That, if that was the other company, let's be honest, that press co- conference where it all started would have been shut down in five minutes. They they would have cut they would have cut the audio in five seconds. The it mic was, it would have been a pipe bomb two point oh point one. Triple H would have said, "Paul, I mean Phil, you gotta go." Like yeah. you're all right. right. My point my point is the whole promo that started with Hangman Page. Does that happen on WWE TV without making Punk like? consent to it essentially bringing up something that he probably isn't too proud of with that punk with a guy would do that. punk huh? would do that on wwe even if it did uh, happen backstage I, I don't think that happens in wwe i don't think that the whole the whole incident that started the, the scruff up doesn't happen in wwe that's all i'm saying that's okay fair. well hey this is about to happen I, I in wwe come. let's bet let, hey listen we'll, we'll we can be we'll be talking about this for weeks to come unless unless cm punks up to his usual shit uh, with that said, what is Punk's road to WrestleMania here, boys? Uh, raise your hand right now. Does anybody have him winning the Royal Rumble? Mm. No. Okay. No. So we got two of six. We got two of six. Uh, Rob, you want to chime in? Thoughts on <laughs> well, how he's well, coming to and Rob Ryan and I agree on something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Mutually so, agree. So I think his first huge with Drew. I don't know how it works out, but I think he goes with Drew. He gets he gets in the rumble. He wins it maybe from like a middle of the pack area, and then I think on Monday night Seth comes out attacks him. He's hurt until Chamber, where then after Seth match uh, returns and challenges him for Total Mania, and that's night one main event. I um I agree with I agree with Rob. Him the, the main event of night one is going to be him against Seth. I'm going to throw something out of the box here. I think that Punk is going to somehow inadvertently cause Rollins to lose on a cash-in to Damian Priest. And then at the Royal Rumble, Seth Rollins regains the title from Damian Priest. And then that's where they're, you know, they have this feud going from now until then. Then Seth regains the title at the Rumble. Punk wins at the Rumble. And then on the other side, you'll have Cody win the Elimination Chamber to face Roman at WrestleMania also. I like that. One one, one interesting thought, too, is if they ever do decide to put punk over over seth for the title like would seth be be professional enough to to take that bullet with all the bad yeah. blood in the history that's there yeah yes yeah. him and cody I mean, hate each other i mean dude cody had like one arm and seth still took an that's LP. true but cody also isn't isn't cm punk yeah, a lot of a lot but more seth people doesn't like care cody, for cody in real life either people like cm punk well sure. also i mean i feel like rollins has heat with more people than Punk does, to be honest with you. You he think so? He hates yeah, everybody. I don't know about that one, Punk Chief. has no friends. Name, name, a, name a friend of Seth Rollins. Like, seriously, name one friend that Seth Rollins has. You can't. Becky Lynch. You can name people who Punk is friends with. <laughs> What's that? Well, that's, that's his wife. wife. I mean, he said Becky Lynch. Or, I mean, name one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go uh, you know what, though? That, that's true. As much as Triple H had his relationships with like Evolution and the DX guys outside of those two circles, Ernie, I mean, he didn't have like many like great friends back then. Like his right? exact quote about Roman is, I his exact quote about Roman just a few months ago was, "I love him, but I don't like him." You know, yeah. like yeah, that seems yeah. more of a work. You're you're getting worked, yeah. Ernie, just like I'm getting worked by the by the double birds that he's throwing CM Punk. That's not allowed in the WWE. You're not allowed to throw birds. Off camera, you can. Off camera, knowing you that you're going to get picked up by all I these. You know, they went. They went. They, they they waited till those cameras were dead for a reason for them to show. For them to, did you get? Did you get yeah. People are going to be filming it. 
Did you guys see Randy and Punk waving at each other? Yeah, yeah that was great. Yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. Was doing the Randy pose. Did the, you know, just did the to time also. That was I outrageous. Think that, I, th- I think I'm in agreement with all you guys that Seth is what we get at Mania. I have no idea what the road looks like, but I was talking with Maniac before everyone else got on the panel here. I'm going. We're we count this the start of December. Mania is in early April, so that's January, February, March, April. That's four months. I'm going to put the over under for Punk's tenure, this new tenure in WWE. I'm putting the over under at five and a half months. What are you guys taking? Where are you guys leaving there? Is CM Punk still in the WWE in five and a half? Over under five and a half months. Over. Does that before or after Mania? That is technically like a month and a half after Mania. I think he's going to win the title, so yes, I think he'll. I think he'll be there until at least the SummerSlam. Yeah, I re, I was going to say SummerSlam. I was going to put it at one year. I think I think the line is literally one year. I think this time Christmas time next year, CM Punk will no longer be in the WWE. But I mean, hey, hopefully we have a great run ahead. Gambling. Well, listen, boy, you're you're summer- preaching to the choir on that one. Anyone else going to gamble some thoughts on uh, Punk and, and Orton tonight? As far I as the road to WrestleMania, no way is goes. Punk coming out in the first hour. No way. No, no he's no, coming they, out last. They, they've already. Inning. The hint has been that he's the main event and Orton comes out first. As far as the road to WrestleMania, since he was such a last minute, according to Triple H signing, uh, I don't see them altering too many plans right now as far as who gets to face Rollins or whoever's counting for the world title at WrestleMania. I don't see Punk winning the Rumble. I don't see them changing their plans for him so drastically for such a big spot. Although it would be a nice uh, notch in his belt to be able to have a Royal, Royal Rumble win. That's one of the things besides main eventing a WrestleMania night that he doesn't have as far as his WWE uh, career is concerned. Um, I could see him costing Damian Priest his cash in because he wants Seth for himself. Oh. Very yeah. interesting. Dean I Ambrose must, angle. I, I do, I do want to say one last thing. Yeah. Five minutes into Punk's first promo back in WWE tonight, I want Judgment Day music hitting. That would be bad. I don't, I don't want to hear him talk. I've this is how talk. we play over here in the big league. Oh, you Punk. like to interrupt people, Phil, don't you? One, one right, small thing. Somebody said to me that wrestling. game, mommy. A wrestling fan said to me, he goes, does Seth, and this is just food for thought, does a Seth Punk match at WrestleMania need the title given how much heat they have and how much they could build this match into a money match? And it would be better with the title, but I can see that being not for the title also because that they're they're good enough where the title is the title doesn't need to be on the line for that match to be want to be seen by everybody. No, I'm also done with that if discussion. You, if you want this title to have its old reputation back, it would help a hell of a lot. Yeah. One and it's it's gonna make versus- with or without the title, so you might as well put the title yeah. on it. You have to have that match with Rollins at WrestleMania, if it is Rollins holding the belt, have to be just as grand and almost as big as what whoever it is, Roman's facing probably Cody. So, like, honestly, just the storyline that's already built into it, how do you not make that Punk and Rollins at day one, night one? Yeah, we all... That's almost as must-see. That's almost as must-see as as, as uh, Roman and, and Cody. We all, we all, so we all think I would, that, I would that WrestleMania... More. You think... I, I, I don't disagree with you, Ernie. Almost as must see as Merrill. The I would argue. I would argue more. There's just a lot of a, a lot of built-in bad blood. A lot of built-in storyline there. It's just the story writes itself. 
Can I be on, speaking of stories? I got to be honest. Where I mean, what are we in the top of oh, the you third? Talk stories? Whoa, 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 whoa! He's no, no. I want to be honest. Since the since WrestleMania this year, what have we gotten on screen as far as the story goes? We got basically they were gonna fight the night after, but then Cody fucked off with Brock Lesnar for the next five months, and we got one time on SmackDown, I believe, where they walked past each other, and that was yeah. basically it. That's but it. yet everyone acts like this is some sure thing that's like a guarantee. I'm still kind of convinced that we had it set for last mania and Vince pulled the plug. There was reports that it literally happened. Yeah. I mean, would you have rather had it happen last mania or are you yes. better for it? Better for it having it happen in Philadelphia. Uh, given Roman's rate of attendance. Probably, yeah, yeah. Dude, this is well, yeah, all the bloodline. But, yeah. All the bloodline stuff did not need the title. Jay versus right. Roman did not need the title. No. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm gonna s- stick with yeah, but it'll be dope at 40. I mean, if it happens, fuck. Yeah. yeah. Ernie, you think if Vince was out before WrestleMania, we may have been looking at uh, Cody winning the title and, and Jay beating Roman at the SummerSlam? Yes, and here's like how if, if we would have told. I, I, I said this in the chat. If when Cody made his entrance at WrestleMania 39, from that point until the next night when Vince completely hide. Jack Ron is one of the worst Raws we've ever had. One of the uh, worst. A terrible booking decision, which, which Triple H has, in fairness, I think Triple H has rehabilitated that terrible booking decision of Cody losing. I think he's going to win at WrestleMania 40, but that's all Triple H is doing to the sale. Like, that was like one, Vince McMahon completely, t- he, he Sean McDermott at WrestleMania 39. Oh, no! 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 Sean McDermott at WrestleMania 39, and I, um, I think that Cody would have won at 39. I think that Triple H has done such a good job of rehabbing that that I think when he wins at 40, it's, it's going to mean a, a lot more just because of trip, what Triple H has done. Triple H is going to be like, I finished the story. We got a comment from yeah. Scotty B. Pimpin, Fire Staley. It was only a minute ago, uh, so I guess he was diehard on that. Folks, thank you for being <laughs> diehard with us. One of our longest episodes of Trainwreck tonight, coming up a very tough weekend, and obviously the massive CM Punk knows. Huge pr- thank you to our panel, Rob Ryan, Ernie Green, Dwayne Steinel, Michael Partham, Slick L, myself, Maniac. Make sure you are following, obviously, on all the platforms. Apple, Spotify, Spotify, YouTube. YouTube. We got Raw just over an hour plus away. We have got uh, Sabres, Rangers. They're a little surprising on the gambling line. Maybe the Sabres will give them a run in just over, I believe, 15 minutes here. But, hey, folks, go have a good week and make sure to have a good night. night. Now.